wealthy experts, where we are bringing on experts in their field to help us build effectively a wealthy life. Welcome everybody to another Wealthy Experts podcast, where we are talking to industry experts to find out ways that we can build a wealthier life. Today, I'm sitting with Conrad Song, uh, the founder of Macro Capital. Now, Conrad, I want to say thank you very much for making time to catch up with us today. I've watched you on many other TV shows, giving your advice and specialty advice about different stock picks, what's happening in the market. And in a, in a not so short period of time, you've built a very significant business. So I appreciate you cutting out half an hour for us today. No, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. That's awesome. Um, yeah, what do you want to know? <laughs> everything. You know, what's the hot stock picks and everything else? How you built the business? What, you know, I think I want to start today with, you know, how how have you landed where you are today? Like, how did you get to starting this business and and and, and making it rise to where it is today? Okay. Um, so I I started pretty young, and that's why I'm still relatively young. Um, so I, I started this company when I was 23. Um, but I guess my journey into finance all began. I was I was I was really young when I sort of first got into stocks. So um, back in the day when Investopedia was was everything, um, I was like I was like 16, 15, um, and so I was in high school and um, I was just looking up, you know, how to how to get involved into the stock market. And I don't know, it was kind of you know I had no idea what the stock market was as a concept really. Um, but something drew me to it. Um, I think it was, you know, maybe a combination of the fact that it felt like it was a bit of a game, um, you know, being on the screens with all the charts and everything like that. And, and obviously the, the, the sort of glamorize, glamorization with all the, with all the money involved in it, I suppose at a young age. Um, but no, I, I, um, I first studied law. Um, well, actually I went to a health science high school, um, in, up in Queensland and then I studied law. Uh, for like three years before I then went to um, Singapore for an internship in this private equity firm. And so I landed that opportunity just kind of out of the blue. And um, I remember kind of just, it, well, it was a Christmas party actually. And I remember um, um, being invited to the CEO's Christmas party. And it was this, you know, pretty awesome. I mean, Singapore's got a lot of money there, right? So um, it's just pretty awesome. Um, house and um there was a chandelier in his house and um i don't know i suppose um when i came back from that internship which, which was about four months um i thought you know what like, no I've, I've always wanted to be in finance i've always had sort of an interest in trading i'm just going to make the leap you know I, I did law because i liked business and i liked business because of my old man um and then um and then i think you know it was like all well, the business of money or the business of you know, what I think I'm a little bit more passionate about or excited about, um, which then um, led me to make a, a move to Sydney. So, I, so I, I dropped out of law and then I transferred to, to the University of Sydney and I studied economics and finance. Um, and that's where, you know, as a uni student, I needed to get a job. And so then I got a job at a company called Money Me, um, which, you may, which you may have heard of. They, they listed recently and they kicked some goals in the credit space. Um, so I worked there for a short period of time and that was probably my first exposure to a startup environment. And I think that was really important for, I guess, the point of the story. But um, then I transitioned to sort of this um, 
equities research and um, stockbroking firm. Um, so six months after Money Me, I, I you know I got another job into a, a, a pathway that I thought was a little bit more relevant to me outside of credit, right? Um, but I needed money. I, I I mean I was a uni student. I tried to start, and believe it or not, I try, I try, when I was in when I was in uni at, at Sydney, um, I tried to start a Bitcoin trading platform. And I and I and I remember going to um, just to go off track a little bit, but I, w- I went to a um, uh, I, I took an elective in computer science just so I could find developers. Um, and I managed to find two three guys, and I had an apartment with a with a mattress, and that was it. And um, we were just working on trying to create this Bitcoin trading platform, which you know, had I stuck my guns, maybe I wouldn't be here speaking with you. I'd be on a jet somewhere. But um, I, I was in front of a screen and I remember Bitcoin trading at like $400, $300, um, something like that, something ridiculous. And so hence why I don't like crypto as a story. But, you know, anyways, um, but yeah, so then I, I was working you know, because the business didn't sort of go as planned. And I put some money into that at a really young age. Um, and so I needed to make money. Uh, I needed to to survive, pay rent. And so then I, I landed this job um, at, at this stockbroking company and I was really good. I was just really good at it. Um, you know, um, not to take my own horn or anything, but I was, I, I picked it up pretty quickly. Um, I picked up the ability to communicate to clients about, um, you know, strategies, risks um, in, in, in a transparent way, right? Which I think is something that you know, a lot of movies have kind of, you know, um, downplayed as a, as a focus, but um, I was really good at establishing relationships with clients uh, and for them to understand the logic that I had to, to make an investment to a stock. Um, all the while, I was really just leveraging off a research team. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of interest and passion and obviously I studied the, studied the stuff and I did an internship in private equity. So I, I knew all the fundamentals, but... I think um, there's a bit there's a big difference between research analysis and stock trading. Um, and so, anyways, um, I was leveraging leveraging off this research team, with, you know, a bunch of really smart people. So I knew that was an important thing. And so I studied what they tell me to do or, or their opinion, um, embody that into my own logic. Um, and then, as I succeeded um, in in that role. Um, I mean, funny enough, the, the CEO at the time had left um, and branched off to start his own hedge fund. Um, and like I said, I was pretty good. So um, as one of the sort of more younger up and coming guys at the company, uh, he goes to me, Conrad, do you want to, you know, jump ship and maybe, maybe, maybe work for me? Um, so I did that. And, um, and I guess how it all began was, um, we were in an office uh, on Castle Ray Street, and um, uh, the the fund manager and I, or the, my ex CEO and I, um, working together. I was working with him on the fund and coming up with strategies and doing some research, speaking to the clients. Um, and then it was like, you know, and, and, you know, funds take time. Funds take time to grow and build a track record. And so it was just me and him for about. Um, three months, six months uh, in this kind of empty office. Um, and I remember just kind of thinking to myself, you know what, like you ran a stockbroking firm. I was pretty good at it. Um, we've got an empty office where we spend, you know, a lot of our time doing the fund, but you know, why not, why, why not manage some clients? 
Um, <clears throat> and so he said no at the start. He's like, oh, that's not what I want to do. And, um, you know, fair enough. Um, and then eventually, you know, after sort of countless times of me pitching him throughout the day, he's like, all right, Conrad, let's, let's, let's do it. And uh, it, it, it's so it, it started off in a very different way. We, we initially just went down sort of a research path. Um, but yeah, over the, so that was when I was 23 and then so fast forward about five, six years, um, you know, we're, we're now, um, and we're, you know, research equities research and we do that all online. Um, and we cover a broad range of, um, sort of, I guess, um, strategies and, and, and different asset classes. Um, then you have the advisory or the wealth management division that we offer, which is. Um, effectively full service stockbroking, right? Um, where clients get to speak to an advisor and work out strategies, portfolio management, all that kind of stuff. Um, corporate finance is a very big part of our business as well. So we recently did, um, uh, well, we were recently lead broker for an IPO, which is a pretty big feat for a company our size. Um, and, um, and we're just about to launch a fund um, starting hopefully, fingers crossed, January 1st. And um, final piece of the puzzle is we're coming out with an app. Um, so that'll be hopefully by middle of next year. So Conrad, I mean, through that, it, it feels like there was a, a real, um, a through line in a lot of that. It sounded like you, as a young guy, were quite disciplined. You knew what you were after uh, and you were not shy of taking risks, catching up with people and throwing yourself with you know, passion and fury at whatever the task was. It was never, I'm, I'm trying to leverage one place or the other. You threw yourself at this, you know, rain, hail or shine, I'm going to try that. And if you saw another opportunity, you kind of use that and move along. And, you know, you've leveraged your talents to grow this thing from the ground up. And it's really impressive. You said that you're going to be starting a fund. What kind of size fund and what are you looking to do with that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so just on the point of, yeah, the, the the discipline. I, I mean, I was always kind of a weird kid. Um, I remember even like I say weird in the sense that I had all these really un- abnormal um, expectations of what I thought I could do or what I thought people could do. And um, you know, for example, I, this is really weird to say on a podcast, but you know, like cross countries. You know how when we were kids, we did yeah. So, um, so I I was like partially good to get into the stage where you're not just going against your school you're versing other schools right so in queensland we call it aps for private schools um and um and i remember like and i could god i was like i was probably like 12 13 and you know like whist like like mumbling to myself like oh like this is your fate like you've got to win this <laughs> like you know this kind of i was a bit weird like that and i kind of look back based on what you said and it's like yeah i think um I think I had these like abnormal expectations of what I thought I could achieve. And, um, and, you know, realistically, it's like to, to achieve those abnormal expectations where you have to kind of strategize all of that. So, and then, then have the discipline, but anyways, um, I just thought that was kind of a weird reflection that I'm well, no, you're talking. <laughs> it's, it's, re- it's relevant that you say that. And the reason why is because, you know, a lot of what, what we do as entrepreneurs and what a lot of what we do as humans is, based upon what we think we can do, whether we're right or we're wrong. And more often than not, you might be wrong, but when you throw yourself at it, you might learn something along the way. And oftentimes you'll surprise yourself, you know? Mm. 
I don't think that yeah. younger you necessarily knew you'd be where you are today. I mean, but you threw yourself at these different endeavors and you just, it allows yourself yeah. to be surprised by what you can actually achieve. So that sometimes blinded faith, it can lead you down some really interesting, fun paths. Yeah. And, and yeah. Lon lonely paths, but yeah, nonetheless, um, they're exciting. And um, yeah, but on, on the, on the fund. Um, yeah. So we're launching um, hopefully fingers crossed first of uh, January to start a clean calendar year uh, of track record. But um, you know, when it comes to the analysis, like similar to how when I was a stockbroker, I would really leverage off the people who are smarter than me. And, and I think that's important, right? People need to understand that, you know, some things you just, you know, there are people who are better at some things than you. Um, and especially as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur, I think, you know, the art of delegating and, or valuing other people's skill set and time is pretty important. But anyways, um, so, yeah, we've got a really formidable research team. Um, our research team is, is um, made up of probably some of the smartest guys I've met uh, in my life, um, let alone Korea. But they work very, very hard. And what we've decided to do is effectively poach some of our research team, um, you know, who have some of those core strategies and then allocate them to the fund. Um, because we, at least internally, we've got that track record. You know, we can't publish unaudited returns. Um, our clients know, right? Because, you know, they're making the money. Um, but um, internally, we know that the quality of our research and, and our strategies is, is, is it's consistent. And I, and I think that's the other thing. But yeah, we're launching, uh, it's, it's a global long short equities fund. Um, so we'll have, um, you know, a lot of exposure or we'll give our clients exposure to the U.S. or global markets as a whole. Um, you know, we'll be using a bunch of different financial instruments, good hedging strategies involved in risk management. So, yeah, no, we, we're excited. And and what if I want to talk to you about what you're seeing in the market, because, I mean, it is a funny time. It is a funny time in the market. And. What kind of things are you seeing that are relevant for the average investor or, you know, relevant to even you? And how should we be responding to this current sort of economic environment? Yeah. Um, so I guess there's, there's a lot of variables to it. So firstly, obviously, we're coming out of COVID. Um, well, at least, um, you know, domestically, we are here locally, we are. Um, and then... Um, you know, all of the all of the normalization effects that will happen from that, I think, need to be um, very carefully implemented or strategized when taking up allocations into into the market. You know, for example, there are so there are companies that did really well during COVID, and as as we come out of lockdown, they will continue to do well because it's almost like this shift in trend or this shift in behavior that's happened. Whereas um, there are other businesses or industries that um, historically might have done well in, in, during lockdown and COVID, but they will revert, revert and normalize. Um, and, you know, I think investors need to understand what parts of their portfolio are, are falling into those other buckets, right? Um, you know, outside of that, you know, we're at extremely elevated levels. Um, that's, that's important to note. Um, but just because something's high doesn't mean it can't go higher. And so... Um, but then also, you know, you've got the concern or the risk of it, it coming down um, in a way that, um, you know, um, wipes out a lot of the returns that we've achieved over the last, you know, however many years. And so um, we're, 
you know, not to give too much away because um, the the audience should just sign up to Macro. But no, we're yeah, why not? Um, we're, we're, <laughs> sign up to Macro. <laughs> yes, yeah, nice little plug in there. Um, no, we are bullish. Uh, we are bullish, but we're we're conservatively bullish, and I think you have to be. Um, you have to be very, like I said, very particular with the sectors and trees you're involved in. Um, now more than ever, valuations are, um, you know, something that can't be just. You know, I mean, the the tech space is one thing. I mean, with the digitization that we're experiencing, you know, even pre-COVID, but you know, it's been accelerated due to COVID. There's there are companies out there that are popping up which have extremely scalable business models, um, which is is what technology can provide, right? I mean, you know, you would experience this, uh, this as well, um, having technology in your business, and, and 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 we definitely do, and that's why we're coming out with an app where it's like. You know, a company, if they can prove that with one user, their variable cost is this and their, you know, profit margin is X, um, or let's actually take the profit margin part out for most companies, say it's just their revenue um, is X. And then they say, okay, well, based on our platform, which is entirely scalable to take on millions of users, right? Um, well, we can forecast this type of revenue. And it's, it's, not, um, it's not crazy in the sense that, that forecast has been proven justified by certain businesses. Um, but at the same time, you can be very wary of the companies that are sort of jumping on that bandwagon. But yeah, I mean, all, all of that combined, um, plus just, you know, you know the, the political tensions that we're experiencing, um, you know, Australia's doing a bunch of interesting things. I was actually, I had, had a really interesting chat with um, the former ambassador of Australia to like UAE and Spain and Chile, and I was talking to him about, you know, what the hell's going on? Um, and uh, yeah, you know, the, the way that Australia's, um, you know, approached its, um, yeah, in, uh, international relations um, is quite interesting. Uh, I mean, he said he wouldn't have done it that way, given that advice at least. Um, but um, yeah, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of risk. Um, and so both from, a, both from an anecdotal level and, you know, just, with the sheer amount of different variables at play with COVID and the different sectors at play, I think investors should be very careful. Um, again, just because markets are quite frothy or elevated doesn't mean they're necessarily going to, you know, just dump. Um, you know, we were uh, short-term bearish um, or, or, you know, we expected that volatility to the downside marginally and we were in cash for about, you know, most of our clients were about 30%. Um, and, um, you know, we've been starting to bid back into the market. And so, um, but yeah, look, it's very selective companies that, that we're invested in. So, so it, it, it does sound like it is quite a complex formula. There's no one true way through all of this. There's no, no one market. You're kind of looking at it from a very um, almost piecemeal kind of view. Um, but it largely sounds like you are more bullish than bearish. And you see that there's an optimistic future ahead of us. Um, have you got any concerns around inflation or interest rates or um, do, you, do you think that, you know, investors should sort of normalise or have a, have a sense around what is a good return these days? Yeah. Um, look, investors just need to um, have, you know, the, the way that we approach everything, whether it is economic indicators like you've mentioned or whether it's political indicators or you know fundamental components or technical indicators i think um 
you, you do want to have a systematic core strategy of how you invest. Um, but I think the people who can add that sophistication or the complexity uh, are those people that can will have the capacity to actually understand that, you know, the smallest increase or decrease in, in, in this factor or that factor does have an effect or have an impact. It's, it's, it's just about how you act on those, you know, different variables. And so, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot to it. Um, economically, there's a lot to it. Again, um, you know, we've poured trillions of dollars into the market. So, um, you know, you know, there's, it's funny when we speak here, it's kind of like, you know, we can have discussions about, okay, what's, what's happening with the property market. It's like, will the government ever let this thing stop? Um, you know, probably not. Right. Um, so there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot of things that, um, that we'll have to sort of see come out and then adjust our um, strategies against, but, you know, there's, there, they are those variable components. The core strategy is, you know, you need, you still have to be able to identify what a good company is. Um, and you still need to have, you know, one of the things that I found, I found real, I find really interesting time and time again, um, is a very fundamental thing that we study in finance in like your first year is portfolio optimization, right? Uh, and this is for retail investors. It's just, it's kind of bizarre how how people just leap to stock picking, right? But um, you know, you, you, your first thing that you learn about how to manage a portfolio or how to invest in, in 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 finance is that it's all numbers, right? Diversification is numbers. Um, you're not diversified just because you have a stock in this industry compared to let's say that industry. Um, you're diversified because the correlation between those two you know, uh, allow for that diversification or that um, re reduction of volatility. And so that's all numbers. And, um, you know, I, I think basically what I'm trying to say is there are so many basic fundamental things that investors are not doing. Um, I think getting caught up in this, um, in the in the minor adjustments they're making to interest rates or inflation or the, or the, or the forecasts they're making based on, you know, how, you know, Frydenberg or how these people are looking into the camera, um, you're really just going to, you, you, you're going to get really, really sort of overwhelmed with everything. Um, but if you have that solid foundation of how you're investing and what your strategy is, again, that gives you the capacity to take those intricacies into consideration. So, look, I mean, um, yeah, like I said, we're bullish um, until we're not. Um, but we're, we're very, we're, we're a lot more conservative in the companies that we identify and also the, the, the attention that we put towards portfolio man management. Um, you know, what sectors that we're, we're overweight and underweight in. This is adjusted, you know, quite regularly. Um, and so, you know, I think investors should be on the pulse, um, to, to respond and react and print and, 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 and reallocate their capital to other sectors and business or, or even in cash. Right when they need to, um, and I think that's the that's the big takeaway for me anyway. If if okay. I'm listening to you carefully, the thing that sounds uh, the through line in all of that is don't get caught up in any one economic indicator or policy decision. Like certainly pay attention and respond, but you need to really be paying attention to 
the, the fundamentals of that specific investment, whether it's a company or a property, there are specific things that impact that business or impact that property that's going to make it a good investment. So um, to sum it all up, what's the one thing that you could recommend to people that they do today to build a wealthier life? What's the 1% wealth act that you've got for our audience? Um, okay. Um, so wealth as in... Um Financially, I suppose. Um, Whatever definition you you want to give to it as well, really. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, my definition of wealth has changed considerably since. Um, since I, I think that happens for a kid who's twenty three and starts a financial services company. Like things change in your head. <laughs> it goes um, from a chandelier in a nice house in Singapore to you know whatever yeah, it is today. And, and I think. Um, like everyone is wired differently, I suppose. And, and I find that um, a lot of people, you know, they'll lump wealth into things like success or happiness and things like that. But um, the first and foremost thing for me would be that to define wealth, you'd be, or for, for me, I, I guess objectively, it's pretty easy. Like you could put a, you could run a ratio on assets to liabilities and, you know, that spits out some, freedom figure um but i think um subjectively for me it would be more so um wealth is definitely a um thing to achieve right so and 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 it used to be everything it, it used to be something much more personal to me um that i associated things like like happiness to um you know whether it was for my family uh, or the family that I wanted to have. Um, and, you know, over, over the course of the several years I've been on this planet, I think I've come to the realization now that, you know, it, it is more so just something to get out of the way. Um, some people refer it to as freedom. And so, you know, that's kind of in line with, I guess, what I'm saying. But, you know, to be able to enjoy your life and um, take on the next part of your life, um, sometimes people need to, need to achieve certain things. And for me, just it just so happened that wealth was one of those key things that was ingrained to me as a child or as, you know, as a, as a student and then as a, as a uni student. And, you know, over time, it was all that was around me. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's very different. I, I don't know if that's defined it at all. But I guess my, my, my expectation for myself um, Again, it might be a little bit warped because of um, the opportunities that I so fortunately do get to have is running a pretty exciting startup in the financial services space, right? I mean, if there was, a, if there was ever any industry and company that was, um, had, a, had, a, had a probability to you know, create a lot of wealth, it's probably in something like wealthy or macro, right? Um, you know, outside of, let's say, you know, Elon Musk-esque type tech startups. But um, for the things that, um, yeah, well, to, 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 to unlock that or to hack that, as you say, um, like, firstly, you just have to have a strategy. God damn, I think a lot of people just don't understand that there are people who are way smarter than you, who work way harder than you, and even these people don't get there, right? Um, for whatever definition of wealth, whether that be something, you know, let's say you call it having your own property or let's say you call it hundreds hundreds of millions of dollars or let's say you the big billion dollars right um like at every component of those tiers 
Um, they're very smart people who work very, very hard. And sometimes life just does not fall the way you want it to. And I've seen that firsthand. I've seen that from other people. I've heard stories, heck, there's movies about it. And so um, I think what's really important is to have a strategy that actually makes sense. And for me, what was the most difficult part about being on what I think is a pretty accelerated fast, fast lane to, to, to unlocking my personal um, definition of wealth, it took me probably you know, a lot of time to get on the path itself. So, you know, if you think about it, it's like there's one path here. If you want to be, I don't know, a professional sports athlete, um, then you've got a doctor and then maybe there's a lawyer, right? Which is what I wanted to do at, at one point. And then you've got, let's say, you know, financial services, entrepreneurialism, right? Whatever that means. So, um, but it's like, whatever those final outcomes are, um, getting onto the path where all you have to do is work hard and like, that's it is pretty difficult. Um, and you know, you can, you can work really, really hard going down a path that you might think is getting you there. And, you know, it might not be perfect, right? And it never will be. But, you know, even if you are one degree off, you, you'll end up being somewhere completely different. And I think having the, 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 the greed or the ambition for yourself to not want to work towards something unless it's on the path that you want to get to is crucial. Um, because one, again, you know, you're going to have to work hard and, 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 and it's, it's really hard, right? I think a lot of people underestimate what it takes to, to run a company or start a company. Uh, I know I did. You know, I, I know when I was a child, I thought it was easy. Um, and, you know, I used to see my old man and he would be, you know, chain smoking cigarettes, right? Um, and, and, we, and, and, you know, he, he had his wild ups and downs. And so, um, you know, I, it's not like I came from this, like, fortunate background, contrary to, you know, the popular stereotype of Asian parents. But <laughs> I, um, no, I was... Um, you know, always kind of seeing the darker side of running a business, which is, you know, it can, it can impact the family negatively. Uh, it can impact health negatively. Um, and, you know, it's, there's a lot of sacrifice to it. And all of those trials and tribulations. So, for example, the biggest trial and tribulation that I think I've faced in the recent years is that um, people are not who they, who they say they are, right? Um, you know, I, 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 there was a major shareholder of mine. He's a dear friend of mine. Um, he's, he's, he's in his, he's, he's quite old. He won't, he won't like me telling, telling everyone how old he is, but uh, he's, um, he, he's a very intelligent and, um, you know, and, and he, he's, 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 he's from wealth. He's from wealth, but he also has accumulated a lot of wealth using that wealth. And so we talk about a lot of things and, um, we went out to dinner one time. And he said to me, Conrad, it's, it's, it's very lonely. It's a very lonely road. Um, and, you know, around that time, I was going through situations where, you know, whether it was friends or, you know, business associates or, you know, even just anyone around me, um, it almost felt like, and this is going to sound very, you know, th this is the darker side, which the language is not that nice, but, you know, it almost felt like piranhas sniffing at your ankles. Um, you know, everyone wants a piece of you, right? Um, heck, you raise some money and then all of a sudden you're, you're a goldmine to these people. Um, or, you know, um, people who, you know, work for you for many, many years 
and you establish this relationship, end up just, you know, when it, when it, if it ever does come to an end, they were just employees as much as you didn't feel that way. Right. Um, and, and, and it's, 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 it's a reality check, a reality check, you know, like everyone's trying to pitch something and that's normal. Heck, I wake up and, you know, I'm on my phone, I'm getting pitched, you know, a hundred things a day. Right. I walk out into the street and there's signs everywhere and people coming up, you know, and, and I go into work and it's the same thing over and over again. And so I would say, all of those difficulties that might not even be from a business point of view, right? Running a business has its own challenges, but then you've got the personal side. And if, and, and if you don't have like a clear path and a strategy, um, it's going to be hard enough to, to, to try to work really hard and get through all of that. Imagine doing all of that and it's going towards something that it's not really where you want it to go. And so I would say for people who are trying to unlock wealth, whether it be entrepreneurial uh, or whether it be through, you know, the accumulation of savings and, and investments and assets, um, you know, whatever that definition is to them, it's like, just work it out. Um, you know, I, I think it's no surprise that not everyone can be wealthy, right? Statistically speaking, like it's not, it's not a problem. It's not, you can't, that can't happen. Right. I mean, if you want to, it's like, not everyone can be the 1%, right? So, um, then the question begs, well, why not? And there's a couple of factors I think that that, that um, attribute to that. One is, you know, you have to have above normal intelligence. Um, and if you don't, you better speak to people who do. Um, you know, I spoke to a lot of people, um, you know, as you can appreciate, and Dominic, you've probably experienced this as well, but finance is a, it's a bit of an old man's game, right? Um, and I remember being in my the, the first meetings when I was establishing these companies, speaking to third parties. And, you know, I'd often get, oh, Conrad, you're a little young for this, don't you think? And over some time, I, I, I realized that, you know, the, the right response is, um, uh, you know, John, maybe you're a little too old for it. <laughs> Anyways, um, but I was speaking to a lot of people with a lot of experience um, to find out what the right strategy was. Um, and, um, and, you know, if you don't, it's just like investing. If you don't do that, you know, you've got no hope. You're just going to be throwing darts uh, at, at, a, at a random board, trying to pick a stock or trying to make it big with, I don't know, some social media play or some e-commerce store, or I don't know, you know, you want to set up a YouTube channel and that's just going to have overnight for some reason, you're going to go viral. And it's like, it's never that simple. So yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I would say if you're not above intelligence um normal intelligence be honest with yourself and then ask the people get the advice work out that strategy and you know uh, just hope to god you've got some grit because um there's going to be a lot and look i i expect and suspect that you know over the next 5 10 20 years it'll get even harder and i think that's probably probably the only attitude you can have because otherwise you're going to get you're going to get screwed along the way so that's that makes sense. So really, I mean, to, to simplify it, or really now, it sounds like you need to have some grit. You need to have some self awareness to understand what your skills are, where your strengths and where your weaknesses are. Surround yourself with people that are more intelligent or more capable in areas that you're not, and make sure that you're setting the right strategy. Because when you got the grit, the right strategy, and people, it's still not guaranteed. But if you work at it, maybe you'll get there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, bit grim but it is the truth <laughs> so Connor, yeah um yeah yeah that's it <laughs> it's, it's good though you want to hear the grim truth now and this this leads us to the last part and it's it's called um you know lean on the network now this is more or less how, uh 
how can you help us and how can we help you? It can be related to business. It can be buying a new car, you know, fitting out your office, finding a girlfriend, I don't know, whatever it is or, or partner. <laughs> Um, I'll take you up on that last one. Um, yeah. No, um, <laughs> um, don't, you, I don't even want to go into my, my love life. That's, that's, a, that's a whole episode. Um, no, so <clears throat> I think um, well, we could help by, um, I guess, providing some, you know, some down-to-earth um, comprehension and insight into not just what to invest in, um, but how to view the market and how to view your portfolio and the investment strategy that you have. Um, you know, I think, um, I think, you know, the service that, that macro office is very, very much um, about being, you know, we, we do not claim to have a crystal ball. Um, heck, if we did, we'd be, um, we'd, we'd be locked up by ASIC, but um, <laughs> we, we're, um, we're of the belief that, you know, we just work really, really hard to do the best we can, um, just like any other service provider out there. Now, sure, if you work the same amount of time and hours as us, you might get better returns than us. Um, but what we do is we work our asses off. Um, whatever you need, we'll get it. Whether it be analysis on this or analysis on that, objective advice. You know, whether it's a hard talk about you know snapping a client into into shape and saying, hey, look, like you keep make you keep making the same mistake right? And we keep being upset about it, but you keep making that call. So, you know, something's going to change. And so we're, um, we're very much um, happy to try to provide uh, a support service to any, any, any investors, potential investors, um, people who are struggling, people who are concerned with where the markets are. And um, yeah, you know, we'd love to um, provide sort of a, a complimentary, um, you know, strategy session where, um, you know, just let us know that you came from uh, the Wealthy Podcast, and we'll um, and we'll we'll book you in with an advisor or one of our research analysts, and just give you give you the sort of you know no BS rundown of what we do and how we do things. Um, it's very generous, that, um, and I want to just add to yeah. that one thing that I've noticed is talking to you and watching a lot of your content and videos is. What I believe our clients and our, our viewers and listeners will get out of sitting with your team is even if you're talking tips or talking stock, it's 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 about how you've come to making the decisions that you are making that is the valuable lesson in all of that, not just what the tip is. It feels like you're teaching us how to fish. Yeah, and I, yeah, that's it. People are, and in, you know, that's why I did so well. I think when I first started out in stockbroking because. People didn't care about what the actual stock was. They wanted to know why we thought that was good because, you know, then they can rely on the fact that the, the next recommendations or the next piece of advice have some core fundamental value. But, um, yeah, no, definitely. We've got some really smart guys as well. You know, um, you know right across here is uh, Mark Gardner, who is um, uh, the ex-chairman of Genesis Top Trading. He's a, he's, he started Allium Trading. He's, he's been... Trading private funds for decades. Um, we've got Rob um, Paulette, who's a CEO. He's um, ex Westpac derivatives. Um, just a, an absolute. He's it, kind of like Rain, Rain Man, like quite literally. <laughs> um, but been in the industry and seen it all. Uh, and we've got a bunch of just really hardworking advisors and analysts. And you know, we'd be more than happy to speak to anyone. And how can we help you? What do you want from your network? I mean, whatever part of the yeah. business, or maybe personally, or whatever it is, like. 
we, where there's a lot of people that are watching, Precious. listening, paying attention, maybe we can reach out to someone. Look, we're so we're, we're coming out with a pretty exciting product. So we're coming out with a mobile application that, you know, just to, okay, so I'll, I'll plug in this one thing. Um, look, we are coming out with low cost brokerage. Um, it's going to be starting at five bucks a trade and we'll scale up. Um, but like this zero brokerage, just five dollars flat brokerage stuff. Um, it's like cheap brokerage is not how you're going to make money in the markets, right? You're going to save $5 or whatever the brokerage rate is. Um, what we're doing is we're coming up with an app which does have that low cost, low cost brokerage functionality because the race to zero is real. And I'm feeling that. Um, but the app is going to be very powerful um, in the research uh, and the portfolio management um, and the execution um, side of the stock market. And um, so we're coming out with that. And so, I mean, we'd love to have anyone who'd be interested in trialing or being that uh, you know that, that that test group um and um yeah you know we'd love to have you guys sample out the product as we're sort of finding the bugs and getting it ready for market um and um yeah if you have any introduction introductions to some pretty ladies that, that'd be uh <laughs> that'd be good too <laughs> right uh, no no i'm just joking <laughs> so so we've heard it here so anyone that is interested in trying out conrad's um new app reach out, let us know, put it in the comments. Um, we'll certainly put you all in touch. Pretty ladies that like what Conrad has, has had to say, reach out on LinkedIn. And mate, thank you very much for your time today, for sharing your story. Um, there's certainly a lot in there. We probably could have sat for another hour or two, but this isn't the Joe Rogan podcast today. Yeah. Um, I'll come and say, hey, next time I'm in the city. And, and yeah, thank you for your time. Any of you out there have questions for Conrad, let us know if you disagree with some of his comments. Great. We'll happily take up the fight in the YouTube comments. And um, Matt, have, thank you very much. And I'll see you all soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me.